everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of What You Think Doesn't Matter. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today, as I am every day. And today we're going to talk about a subject that some may deem controversial. Um, it's going to be uh, on the subject of the Second Amendment. Uh, not the Second Amendment specifically in and of itself, but some issues surrounding it. Uh, like we're going to talk about uh, constitutional carry or permitless carry, what it means for you as a responsible gun owner. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Castle Doctrine or Stand Your Ground laws. Uh, some people use those terms interchangeably, but they are actually two very different terms that are often used together. And we're also going to talk about gun safety and gun handling. We'll talk about the four golden rules to safe gun handling. All responsible gun owners know this, but some people have a tendency to forget it. And we're going to piggyback that topic up with uh, accidental versus negligent discharge of firearms. And I'll give you some examples to kind of illustrate what these topics mean or uh, give you a little bit of perspective of what it's all about. But before we go any further, let me go ahead and put this disclaimer out there. Any of the information that I provide you today is strictly just that. It's just general information. I am in no means a lawyer of any sense of the word. So if you do find yourself in trouble and you do need to speak to a licensed attorney regarding your situation, uh, do not take what I say at face value because these issues are a lot more complex than what I'm going to spend time on today. So with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and start this off with what is constitutional carry? Well, according to the Concealed Carry Society, they've defined constitutional carry as the legal right in the U.S. to carry a firearm without a permit or license as enshrined by the Second Amendment. However, because of uh, the long-standing debate with this subject, these constitutional carry laws are actually limited to the state level because the federal government cannot actually impose any laws on the state's uh, regarding the any of the rights listed in the Bill of Rights. So they've left it down to the state levels to go ahead and determine if they want to be constitutional carry state or, or not. Um, as of today, I do believe there are 25 uh, states that recognize constitutional carry. And basically what that means is if you live in that state or not, um, you can carry a weapon on your person, concealed or otherwise, um, without a permit. I mean, you can walk up and down Main Street with a gun on, on, your, on your hip in a holster, concealed or unconcealed. Out of all the states that do have constitutional carry, there are only two states that actually limit that constitutional carry to only residents of that state. And, and that's cool. That's their discretion. That's their business. Um, but that's what constitutional carry is right there, general terms. It means you have a constitutional right in that state to carry a firearm on your person, in your vehicle, as long as it's in a holster. And some states may not require it to be in a holster, but I know where I live, you can carry it on your person in a holster, concealed or not. And that is, uh, that's it. That's constitutional carry right there, or permitless carry. Granted, each jurisdiction has their own little minute details as to their own restrictions on constitutional carry. So if you are interested in what your state follows or what your state guidelines, um, there's plenty of uh, good resources on the internet that you can look up. I personally go to USCCA um, and look up their laws or USA Law Shield. Uh, those guys are, uh, that's all they do. They're all Second Amendment and uh, firearm safety, firearms laws and rules. 
uh, go ahead and look up what your state requirements are because I'd rather have the knowledge of what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do than to get caught up in a situation and thought that I knew what it was and find out that it wasn't. So, like I said, uh, take a look into that. Uh, most states, like I said, just about half the country now has constitutional carry. And uh, in my opinion, that's a good thing. But in the second, on the flip side of that, most of the states that have constitutional carry do not have firearm safety training requirements. And that's a problem. That's a problem that I have personally. But I've also seen that most responsible gun owners or most people that are going out and buying firearms for the first time are actually taking it upon themselves to seek training on how to properly handle that firearm. And that's awesome. Uh, I wish more people would do that. I also know of some people that go out and buy a gun, go get issued a CCW in what is called a must-issue state, and no prior training or qualification needed to, to get the permit. The only thing required is you are of legal age to own one, and you are legally allowed to own a firearm, and they'll give you a permit. I, Although I am a supporter of constitutional carry, I am a supporter of the Second Amendment, <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not some type of formal training should be required. Um, some people would call that an infringement on their right to carry. Um, I don't see it as such. I consider it the responsible thing to do. If you're going to own a gun, you need to know how to handle it. Period. Straight up. You need to know what time it is when it comes to handling your firearm. Okay. And that kind of leads us into this next topic of uh, firearm safety. Um, there are four golden rules to handling a firearm and these should be ingrained in you. And to believe it or not, they are all common sense. They are common sense rules that every gun owner must know, must learn, must live by if they're going to own a firearm. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that always forget one of them. Rule number one, and I know this from personal experience as a certified firearms instructor, you always keep your gun pointed in a safe direction. Do not point that gun at anybody you do not intend to shoot or anything you do not intend to shoot. Period. Rule number one, always point it down range, as we say in the industry. Do not point it at any people or person or thing that you don't intend to shoot. Always in a safe direction. Rule number one, the golden rule right there. That is the absolute golden rule. Rule number two is you treat all guns as if they were loaded. Whether you've cleared it or not, you always handle it as if it were loaded. That kind of piggybacks with the golden rule of pointing in a safe direction. Anytime you have your hand on a gun, whether you think it's loaded or unloaded or not, you always have to assume it's loaded and you always keep that weapon pointed in a safe direction. Period. By treating it as if it's loaded and pointing it away, if the weapon does, quote-unquote, accidentally go off, which we'll talk about later, that bullet is going to go in an area that you know is a safe direction, away from other people, houses, dwellings, cars, or whatever. But always keep that gun pointed in a safe direction, and you always handle it as if it were loaded. Rule number three, keep your finger off the trigger. Plain and simple, keep your finger off the trigger. Until you are ready to shoot the weapon. We all have this little thing called indexing. Indexing your finger basically means you're running your index finger or your trigger finger parallel to the slide or the side of the weapon that you're using. If you're using a revolver, it's going to be pointed straight. Basically, you're pointing your finger out. 
And, okay, you're not, you don't have it on the trigger whatsoever. It is pointed outward, and you do not put your finger on that trigger until you on target, you have your target in sight, and you're ready to shoot. Always keep your finger indexed and off the trigger and out of the trigger guard. I, when I was out on the range and I was, you know, practicing drawing or handling my gun, though, all, I always consciously told myself, index my finger, index my finger, index my finger. And you know what? After a while, now it's habit. Now I don't even think about doing it. It's just automatic. I'd never put my finger on the trigger until it's ready to shoot. Period. That will, right there alone, will prevent 99.9% of all quote-unquote accidental discharges. Never put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to shoot. And rule number four, another big one. Always be sure of your target and what's behind it. That is a common mistake. Knowing what's behind your target is kind of detrimental because once you put that bullet out, you don't you need to know where it goes because you're responsible for that bullet wherever it goes. So if you've got a bad guy in front of you, are you going to discharge it if you've got a group of kids or family people behind you, behind your target? Me, not unless I absolutely positively had to. In other words, if that dude has got if that my target has a gun and get ready to point it at me, I'm going to fire. All right? Um, there are other special types of bullets that you can get that can help decrease through and through um, bullet penetrations, uh, but that's a, a subject matter for later on, or somebody that you can ask, something you can ask your armorer when you go purchase your weapon and you go buy ammunition. Okay, there is such a thing as personal defense ammo, which cuts down on the likelihood of a through and through penetrating bullet wound. But always be sure of your target. Be sure of what's behind your target. You need to know where that bullet goes. And if you don't know where it's going to end up, don't fire it, period. You need to know what your target is. Those are the four basic rules, the four golden rules of safe gun handling, okay? And failure to follow those rules leads directly to, quote-unquote, air quotes, uh, accidental discharges, okay? Now, when it comes to accidental discharges and negligent discharges, in my opinion... There is no such thing as an accidental discharge. It is not an accident if you had your finger on the trigger, you have, your weapon goes off. It's negligence. And the reason it's negligence is because you neglected to follow the four golden rules of gun handling. There is no such thing as an accident. There's negligence. Because if you follow those four golden rules of gun handling, your weapon should not discharge. In fact, your weapon, even if you have a semi-automatic pistol, Unless you've actively racked around into the chamber, it should not even have a weapon. It should have a, a bullet in there ready to discharge. A revolver. It takes a lot of weight to pull the hammer back on a revolver to get it to fire. And if you're storing your weapon, you should not have your revolver with the hammer cocked back to begin with. Same thing with uh, double and single action pistols that have a, a, a hammer on them. That hammer should not be locked in the backward position the hammer should be fully forward and seated so there's no such thing as accidental an accident is an unforeseen circumstance that happens without beyond your control when it comes to a, a gun discharging you have complete and total control of whether or not that weapon fires okay because you have the control to, to make sure it's uh, unloaded you have the control of keeping your finger off the trigger. You have the control of clearing that weapon to ensure it's in a safe fashion. 
and you have a control of where that gun is pointing at all times. So, is that an accident if your gun goes off without you intending it to? No, it's negligence. And in my and in, in my opinion, if your weapon quote unquote accidentally goes off, you are criminally negligent because you failed to follow the four golden rules of gun safety, and you're culpable. And I think you should you should be criminally held liable for it. That's my opinion on the four golden rules of gun safety. As long as you follow those four rules, there is no chance of your weapon discharging without you wanting it to. You know, people tell me all the time, oh, guns kill people. I hate, you know, I don't like guns because guns kill people. Well, if that's the case, I've got some of the laziest guns in the world because I've had them for years and not one time has any of my guns gone out and killed anybody. They haven't. What makes a gun deadly is the idiot that's handling it. That's how guns kill people. It isn't the gun, it's the person handling the gun. And uh, that's it. That's that's it right there. The four golden rules of gun safety. Keep your finger off the trigger. Keep your weapon pointed in a safe direction at all times. Always treat it as if it is loaded. And be aware of what your target is and what's behind it. If you follow those, you should not have... I'm going to lay odds. I would take the bet that if you follow those four golden rules, you're not going to have any mishaps. Because everything happens with the trigger. Okay? So that's my get on that, on uh, the four primary rules. So now I want to talk about Castle Doctrine. Castle Doctrine and stand your ground. Okay, Castle Doctrine basically is a law that says a man's home is his castle and each man's home is his safest refuge. That is a quote by Sir Edward Quoke. He was an English jurist in 1628. Uh, that was the Institutes of the Laws of England. And as you can see, that right there was actually embedded into the Third Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, and papers, and effects shall not be violated, and no warrant shall be issued but upon probable cause. Kind of see the resemblance? So Castle Doctrine has actually been around since the 1600s. That's 1-6. 1600s. Okay? That is what? Almost 500 years. All right? So Castle Doctrine is not new. It's just that as times have evolved, um, it's just become, it really hasn't become anything. It still means the same thing. It means that every person it, have a right to be secure in their homes against all comers. It means you have a right to protect yourself, your family, and anybody else in your home from unwanted people. Somebody breaks into your house under the castle doctrine, you can use force to, to stop that threat. Does that mean you can use deadly force? It depends on what your local jurisdiction says. Okay. Uh, that would fall under the uh, stand your ground laws in a way, but castle doctrine means you have a right to defend your home and those within it from unwanted threats or unwanted guests or persons. That is your castle doctrine. Okay, whether or not you can actually use deadly force is really based upon uh, the use of force laws in your own jurisdiction. I know where I live, if someone breaks into my house unknowingly and surprisingly, I don't know who they are, I can use deadly force and I can claim, you know, castle doctrine self defense. Okay, other states require uh, deadly force only as a last resort if you can articulate that you felt your life was in an imminent danger of extreme bodily harm or death. Some states even have a duty to retreat. 
which means you have to go into the furthest point in your home away from that threat before you can resort to using a firearm or to using deadly force. And stand your ground or castle doctrine shouldn't determine the tactics that you use to defend yourself. I don't know. It may be best. I mean, you would have better defensive recoil if you did actually affect somewhat of a retreat into a back room or a back bedroom. And if that person were to follow you, then you would have grounds in uh, using deadly force because you could articulate that that person had displayed their intent to cause you harm by chasing you down or following you. Okay, but in most cases, if you're home and someone breaks into your house and you have your weapon on you, they're probably going to turn around and get the hell out of Dodge. All right, because uh, most criminals that do carry guns don't like to be shot at. They don't like it when people shoot back at them. So that, that's how you that's how you stop a bad guy get with a gun. You stop a bad guy with a gun by having a good guy with a gun. Okay, and I'm not trying to be gender specific here. When I say good guy or bad guy, I'm talking about all genders. Or whichever one you identify with. But, yeah. And uh, stand your ground laws are similar to castle doctrine. But with stand your ground laws, it basically extends the castle doctrine to include any place that you have a legal right to be. In public. Whether it be in a parking lot, at a grocery store, in a grocery store's parking lot, at a friend's house. Any place you have a legal right to be, you can defend yourself and others around you. If you feel there is imminent danger of extreme bodily harm or death to yourself, your family, or to other persons. Okay. So, stand your ground law and castle doctrine, although work together, they are two separate issues. Both with same general meaning. Okay. So, it kind of irritating when people will try to confuse the two as one when they're not. They're different. They have different requirements. They have different statutes. They have different limitations. Uh, some states can have a castle doctrine for your home, and other states can have only a standard ground law. Okay. Um, as like, for example, in the state of California, they have a castle doctrine, which I just found out recently. They have they don't have a duty to retreat anymore, uh, but they do have a castle doctrine. However, they do not have any laws on the books that identify a standard ground law. But if you read California's laws when it comes to use of deadly force or use of force, you'll see that you actually have to prove that there was an immediate danger to uh, your personal health or safety or or, uh, or death in order to resort to deadly force. Deadly force can only be used as a last resort. Um, and that's pretty standard in most jurisdictions and most locations. However, circumstances can dictate the necessity. But like I said in the opening, if you are in that particular type of situation, um, don't take what I say here. Uh, go ahead and, and seek out legal advice um, as they are more uh, more knowledgeable in the area where you live when it comes to stand your ground or castle doctrine or to uh, the use of deadly force or use of force in, in general. Okay. Now, does um, stand your ground law give you a license uh, to kill? Obviously not. All that means is that you can take reasonable steps to ensure the safety of yourself, your family, or others around you who may be in imminent jeopardy. Okay? That doesn't mean you have a right to automatically shoot somebody just because, you know, you felt threatened. You have to honestly articulate in a court of law that you felt that you were in great bodily harm or that you felt your life was in danger. Okay? Always keep that in mind. 
And of course, deadly force should always only be considered as an absolute last resort, you know? So, uh, with that being said, we're about out of time. Oh yeah. I promise you guys some examples. Okay. Um, for example, a few couple of years ago, there was, uh, oh, what were they doing? I believe it was the liquor store owner and her daughter were both working the night shift at the store that, that they owned and operated when a gunman entered their store with a handgun and tried to rob them. Both of them, having CCLs, or Concealed Carry Licenses, or LTCs, License to Carry Permits, depending on the vernacular where you live, both of them pulled their weapons out, discharged their weapons at the subject, which landed five rounds into the subject, which he actually lived. I was surprised by that. And uh, they were... They were covered. They were they were considered justified because this dude broke into their business with a gun at night, and they fired back. Okay, um, cool. Give those two ladies a medal. That's the way I look at it. I see another example in which uh, stand your ground laws may happen is if you and your family are at I don't know a a public park. Which if in your location carrying a weapon. In a public park is legal, then by all means do so. Um, but if you're at a park with your family and you look up and you notice somebody else is being assaulted by, by somebody, and you f- think that that person's life is in jeopardy, you can at that point in time, if you feel the necessity, use your firearm to stop that and help that person to protect them. Okay, um, that stand your ground laws do not pertain to just protecting yourself, but you but you can protect others as well. If you feel that they need it. Okay. But like I say, um, deadly force is not a game. It's not, it's not fun. And I don't wish that on anybody because yeah, you may have stopped the threat right there, but now you're probably going to have, um, you got to deal with that the rest of your life. Okay. You have to deal with the fact that you may have taken another person's life. And so now you got to deal with that regardless of the outcome. That is a life changing event. And you're going to be, you're going to have to deal with that. And if you are involved with that, I do um, empathize with you um, because I can relate to kind of what you're going through. And, uh, and hopefully you'll never have to experience that. But if at all possible, you have to do, um, and you have to resort to deadly force, use your head, um, do everything you can to get out of the situation before resorting to deadly force. Um, but at the same time, if you have no other recourse, but to discharge your firearm to protect you or your family, then by all means, do what you got to do. Um, because this, the laws are there for your protection. They're there to back you up. Does that mean that you can't be civilly sued for, for doing that? No, anybody can sue anybody for anything, you know, um, but be mindful. Um, if you are involved in a shooting, use your head, think about what you're doing. Um, some tips, if you are involved in his shootings, when the officers show up, the first thing you need to do is get on the phone with a lawyer, cooperate with the investigation. However, advise the investigating officer that you are going to cooperate after you seek legal counsel. You show them, okay, there's the bad guy over there. There's the bad guy's gun. My gun is there on the table because you don't want to be armed when the cops showed up because that would probably end up being bad for you in a uh, health sense. Um, but cooperate everything that you can. But the first thing you need to do when you're involved is contact a lawyer. 
don't say anything to the police outside of your personal identifying information. That is all until you speak to an attorney. Give them your name, your ID, your driver's license, your concealed carry permit, um, and all of that. Other than that, don't talk about anything regarding the scene until you speak to an attorney. Okay, that's where the sec- that's where the uh, the right to remain silent comes in. Trust me, it'll benefit you. Okay, that's all the time we have left this week. So please send your comments, emails, recommendations, or subjects to WYTDM at yahoo.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send out a few likes. Send if you like this episode, send out some shares. Let's get the word out. And until next time, remember be good, be safe, and what you think doesn't matter. Thank you.